And um, God was kind of leading me in a different direction. And again, it's, it's coming back to character, okay? So I, I don't know, I guess the Lord thinks that character is a huge thing. So, <clears throat> so we're coming back to that. And uh, we're going to talk about being fruitful. How many of you grew up messing around with a garden? Okay, yeah, there's, there's a few hands there. Uh, I grew up in the mid- Midwest in Nebraska, and uh, we had a big garden. Actually ended up having two big gardens eventually, but we had a, a, a large garden. And every spring, uh, my dad would fire up the old Ford tractor. I, don't think, I think that thing was probably built in the 40s or something. I, it was old, but anyway, uh, he would fire up that tractor, and everybody in town knew it because it burned a tremendous amount of oil when it ran. So there was just a cloud... If there was no breeze, it just hung around our place, and you lost visibility after a while. And if there was a breeze, then it just drifted over to other people's homes. <clears throat> Everybody knew when we were planting the garden. And uh, Dad would plow up the garden, and then we would get ready and mark out the rows and start planting the seed. And, you know, it's a lot of work. How many of you enjoyed doing it? <clears throat> How many of you didn't enjoy doing it? All right, hey, praise God. I feel at home. It's a lot of work. And then what do you see for quite a while? Nothing. (laughs) You see dirt, yeah. And then what's the first thing you start seeing coming up? Weeds, (laughs) okay. I mean, it's just, and then you're weeding. But eventually, though, those plants start popping up, you know. And some of them I would rejoice to see, and some of them I would just think, oh, Jesus Actually, I wasn't a Christian at the time, so I'd think, oh, man, tomatoes. I hate tomatoes. Everybody loved tomatoes. We had way too many tomato plants. But they start coming up, and, you know, in, in time, fruitful. You know, there was lots of fruit. There was the harvest. Scripture talks about being fruitful also. And um, in Second Peter, <clears throat> we're going to be uh, looking at that. And we're going to look at, it's not necessarily the text today, but it's going to lead to it. First, or Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, I like that, increasing measure, it's just something that just keeps happening, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive, that's also translated unfruitful, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, God wants us to be fruitful. Now, is there anybody in this room that uh, your parents were very repetitive on certain things? Yeah, raise your hand if that was the case. All right. The young people, very few of them are brave enough to hold their hand up right now. But <clears throat> You know, sometimes parents can be very repetitive. <laughs> Look at the scriptures here. Okay, we're in 2 Peter. The apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to God's church to his people. And look what he says in uh, verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12. Excuse me. There we go. 
so I will always remind you of these things. So he's writing to these Christians, <clears throat> and he says, I'm going to keep reminding you of this stuff. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Yeah, I know you've heard them. I know you're putting them into practice, but I'm going to keep reminding you. I'm going to put you in remembrance. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon be uh, put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. He said, you know, I'm going to be gone. One of these days I'm going to be gone. I'm going to go to be with the Lord. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to be here. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to put you in remembrance. I'm going to refresh your memory on these things. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. He said, even when I'm gone, I want to make sure you remember these things. Okay, you keep hearing these things. And they're written down so that we can. Now we're going to take a look at some things that he's going to put them in remembrance of. We're doing a series on being a fruitful Christian. Now the first part we really have to talk about God's part. That's the whole foundation of it all. Okay? It's what God does that is the main thing. And then we have our part, which we'll be looking at. And today, I, there's not time. You wouldn't want me to try to go through all of it today. I mean, seriously, you wouldn't. So we're just going to take part of it. So this is our text, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And there's... Lots of words up there. <clears throat> Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And then we had read some of those verses. So today we're just looking at the faith part. Okay, and then we will, uh, in, in the coming Sundays, look at the other things that are added to it. <clears throat> so, being a fruitful Christian, here we go. God's part. We're going to have three points this morning, and uh, I'm trying here. All right. Let's pray, and I want to go down to our first point. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I ask in Jesus' name that you will uh, just help me to, to teach as best I can with the understanding that I have. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, who, who is the true teacher, who really helps us understand the things of God, that your Spirit will, will just enlighten, that your Holy Spirit will be able to make these truths very real, very uh, just planted in us as seeds that bear fruit to your glory. And Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Being a fruitful Christian. The first thing I want us to look at, and we're going to kind of go through the verses at a little slower pace. <clears throat> God gives us his righteousness. Okay. Now when it comes to being fruitful, 
there's got to be this starting place, this foundation, this thing that everything is built on. <clears throat> That's where we're looking at today. God gives us his righteousness. See, this is this being fruitful, it's, it's primarily about God's righteousness. Although he does work righteousness now in us as we are becoming more fruitful. But primarily it's talking about, it's God's righteousness. So verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Let's just take a look at that. God's righteousness becoming our righteousness. Pretty amazing. I want us to go to Romans 3 for a little bit, and I've got it in the New Living Translation. My little clicker here is just really not wanting to work today, so I don't know if the battery's about dead or what, but <clears throat> if there's some pauses between, I'm doing my best. Romans 3.21. But now God has shown us a different way of being made right in his sight. It's talking about righteousness there. New Living Translation just kind of spells it out a little simpler. But now God has shown us a different way of being right in his sight. Not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in the scriptures long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. For all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet now God, in his gracious kindness, declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. God was being entirely fair and just when he did not punish those who sinned in former times. And he is entirely fair and just in this present time when he declares sinners to be right in his sight because they believe in Jesus. God gives us his righteousness. Now that's through Christ, and it's only through Christ. So let's go back to our text. Second <clears throat> Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Okay. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Through, through Christ's righteousness, we are able to receive this saving faith. It's awesome. It's through Christ's righteousness. It's never through our own righteousness, but it's through Christ's righteousness that we are able to receive this, the saving faith. That word faith there, the Greek word is pistis. It means conviction, confidence, trust, belief, reliance, persuasion. So it's talking about an inward confidence, assurance, and reliance, okay? Not on ourselves, it's not on ourselves, but it's on him. <clears throat> Precious, that word, because it talks about 
this, this precious faith that we actually all have. Everyone who's trusted in Christ has a precious faith. Precious means of great price, held in honor, especially dear. I have to be honest that whenever I see the word precious now, it goes a different direction. It's because I watched The Lord of the Rings. I can't help it. It just goes that direction. Gollum, what was it that he always said? Try to say it like he did. (laughs) All right. And if you've, if you've seen the Lord of the Rings and Gollum, there's this ring that he finds, and he calls it his precious. And when you're watching this movie, uh, when he has the ring, he does lose it eventually, but when he has the ring, he's just consumed with it. He's holding it, and he's staring at it all the time, and nothing else in life really matters. It's this ring. When he loses the ring... Uh, and someone else finds it, it seems to eventually have that same effect where it's just like, they're just, it's precious. Not in the Gollum sort of way, but it's precious, okay? The Apostle Peter says, you've received a faith that is just as precious as ours. Yeah, they were the apostles. Yeah, they walked with Jesus. Yeah, they saw him face to face. Yeah, they... All kinds of things happened in their life. But he said, you've received a faith that is just as precious as ours. Is your faith still precious to you? We have to be careful we don't let it get kind of old. Yeah, faith in Jesus. You know, it's like a new car. Get a new car, you are protecting that thing in every way. Five years later, yeah, it's a car. (laughs) We need to be careful we don't lose the preciousness of our faith. It goes on to say that this this saving faith that comes through the righteousness of Christ it it enables us to know God, knowing God. Let's take a look next verse. <laughs> so We've received a faith as precious, or you have received a faith as precious as ours. Verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the what? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay? So, this, this faith, this saving faith, enables us to really know God. People can't know God until they've stepped into that relationship, that saving faith relationship. Okay, I mean, they can learn about God, but they can't know God. It's, it, you've got to enter into this relationship with him. So, and then it says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace, the favor of God in abundance on your life. Has anybody experienced that? The favor of God. You know, every day, you may not necessarily feel it, but the favor of God is on you when you're one of his. The favor of God. Then it says peace be in abundance. You don't have to have peace in your life, but the greatest peace is being at peace with God. That's the greatest peace there is, you know, when you're at peace with God. You know, you're no longer on the opposite side of things. You're, you're on this, you and he are on the same thing together here. You're at peace with him. 
Then it goes on to say, so God gives us his righteousness. And then secondly, God gives us everything we need for life. That's a pretty bold statement, but that's what we're going to read in the scriptures. God gives us everything we need for life. And then it goes on to say, and godliness. His divine power. His divine power. It's not talking about us. His divine power, his God power, and it doesn't even say, will eventually give us. What does it say? It says, has. Okay, if, if you're a believer in Christ, if you've received Christ as your Savior, let me tell you, this has already happened. It's not something we're trying to get to. It has already happened. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever it is, God in his divine power has given you everything you need to make it in this life. Okay? He has done that. So, um, and it doesn't come by learning a secret formula. Sometimes Christians try to figure this key. There's this key that will just change everything. No, and we need to stop looking for keys, okay? Uh, don't look for that secret formula, that secret prayer, that secret scripture. No. It's, this, this comes just through our knowledge of God, from knowing him. And... Uh, you know, there's no secret handshake. I'd want to learn it if there was, <clears throat> but there isn't. It's through knowing him. That word knowledge there, epinosis is the word. It means precise and correct knowledge. It's, it's not talking about just knowledge, but this is the precise, the correct knowledge of God. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Well, the question I have when I read that, and I have to keep rereading these verses this morning because it's like there's so much stuff packed in there. I mean, some scriptures are just like it's, it's very easy to follow because, you know, it's just kind of dealing with one thing. And then every once in a while, there will be like a gazillion things all packed into a few verses, you know what I'm saying? And so as you just kind of work your way through those verses, this is one of them. And it says... That he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. What has he given us? Doesn't list it. Why does God do that? Then you have to look. It's not listed. You can't even really Google it well, you know? You could try, though, but I'd be careful. (laughs) So, this is just from me, all right? All right? This is just, these are some things that I see that. Through his divine power, he has given every one of his children to enable them to to live this life, you know, in a way that leads to godliness also. So here's, here's my list, and you could maybe add. Hopefully you wouldn't want to subtract any of these. What has God given us? The love of a heavenly father. The love of a heavenly father. 
That is huge. Some people grow with the love of an earthly father, and some people don't. And it's rough when you don't. And when you come into the kingdom of God, God says, I am your father, and I love you. Man, don't lose track of that. The love of a heavenly father. Forgiveness and salvation through his son. Forgiveness and salvation. I tell you what, about the time you start taking forgiveness for granted, you do something dumb. And then it takes on that whole special meaning again. You know what I'm saying? Let's not forget about it. His, his forgiveness and salvation that's there each day. And here's, a, here's one. You realize that Scripture says that, that Christ is interceding for us right now so that we'll make it? It says that. In Hebrews, it talks about that. I want us to take a look at that Scripture. It's just neat. <clears throat> Five, six, okay, there are six click, it did it. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he, and you, know, you can go back and look, and look at the rest of it later, but it's talking about Christ as a high priest. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I'm on my own. No, you're not on your own. Your heavenly Father loves you. He offers forgiveness, eternal life. And Jesus, who died for you and is now alive forever, is interceding for you, praying for you. And then God gives us his Holy Spirit. By his divine power, he has given us everything that pertains to life. He's given us his Holy Spirit. We're not on our own. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. He had to go back to heaven, but he said, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. He was talking about that he was going to send his spirit to be with us and empower us, enable us in this life. How about the church? The fact that you're even in a church today, that is by the divine power of God. That he raises up a people that become his family his sons and daughters, and he places his children in that where they encourage one another, they love one another, they build one another up. I tell you, it's huge. It's a good thing to be in a church. It really is. His word never changes. Never changes. I've been around for, you know, 50-some years now. I've seen the mentality of a nation change. What they consider principles. I've seen it change. God's word never does. It just stays there. You know? And it's eternal. And it's living. And it cleanses. And it, oh, it does all kinds of stuff. Whatever. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Let's go back to... Uh, the text, through our knowledge of him who called us. Again, we're, we're just looking at all the things God did here. It's all leading to the fact that God wants us to be fruitful. Okay? And there's some neat verses that next, over the next couple of weeks we'll be getting into. But, but he's, this is all leading to fruitfulness. But he starts off by saying, look, it's really about me. Okay? I've done this. This has been, you know, by 
by the righteousness of Christ, and then by my divine power, and just these things he's done. And he says, through our knowledge of him who called us. God calls us to himself. Nobody in here found God. Okay? I mean, I used to think that. When I look back, I realize God was reaching out to me in all these different ways. And I was too blind to see it for quite a while. And eventually, you know, I mean, he calls us. He draws us to himself. He called us not because of our worth. You ever been captain of a team when you're picking teams? You ever done that? You know, if you're going to play a sport or something, you're the captain. Then you have all these poor people out there that you're picking from. <laughs> and then, you know, you're, you're basically being extremely selfish because you're just looking out for you. You know, and whether you really like someone or not, that's not so much the issue. It's what do they have to offer this team so that we win? And you're picking people for their abilities. You ever been one of those people that just kind of keeps being in the group and uh, it's getting close to the end and you haven't been picked yet? Isn't that an awesome feeling? Don't you love it? And don't you love it when you get down to the very end and then they start saying, okay, you can have this one and that one? Don't you just love that? Through our knowledge of him who called us, not because of what we had to offer, not because of our worth, who called us by his own glory and goodness. He called us by his own glory. It had nothing to do with our ability. It was his splendor. It was his majesty, doxa, his glory. It was by his glory and not our goodness. It was his goodness. All this he's done for us. Don't lose track of that. You know what? Don't lose track of these things. Point three. We're going to jump right to the next one. (coughs) (laughs) We'll change the battery today. God gives us his great and precious promises. I want us to look at that. So being a fruitful Christian, that's what we're talking about here, being a fruitful Christian, and we're looking at God's part where it all really starts and everything's built on that. Okay, the first one was God gives us his righteousness, and we, and we get this precious faith through the righteousness of Christ. And then God gives us everything we need for life. Through his divine power. He just provides all of this stuff. It's already happened. It's ours now. And then the third thing is that he gives us these great and precious promises. Let's look at this. So it says, through these he has given us. Uh, what's these? Well, if we back up, these is his glory and goodness. Through his glory and through his goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Great and precious promises. And again, it's not, he's not listing them right there. And so, you know, it, as a preacher, it'd be a lot easier if God would just list the stuff right away. But it seems like you've got to kind of study the word to find out all these things, okay? So what are his great and precious promises? Well, there's lots of promises in the Bible. Lots of promises that are for every one of his kids. But there were a couple, I thought, that kind of 
to me, that kind of capsulized what we were getting at here. So this is just me. This is what I'm kind of getting. It talks about his promises in 2 Corinthians. It says, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. The Message Bible says it this way. With promises like these to pull us on, let's make a clean break from everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. So what are the promises? Back up about three verses. Okay, and it starts talking about what God said or what God promised. So let's back up to chapter 6 in 2 Corinthians, and uh, we'll look at a couple verses there. Chapter 6, verse 16. Last part of verse 16. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, okay, here's what he said. Here's his promise. I will live with them. God's promise was, I'm not going to be far off. They're going to become my temple. I'm going to live right in them. I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. That's a promise. Let's go to verse 18. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then it goes to the next verse, since we have these promises. It's talking about those promises right there. Okay, let's go back to our text. Through these, let's see, if I think that's the next one. It's awesome. <laughs> There we go. Okay. So through these, through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Now, I don't know that I can limit it to those promises, but still, the promise, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to be your father. You are going to be my son and my daughter. That's my promise. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in the divine nature. Participate in the divine nature. What does he mean there? Participate means partner, companion, sharer, sharing his divine nature. Okay, so through his promises of coming to live in us by his spirit, causing us to be born again into his kingdom, becoming his sons and daughters, we're not not enslaved to the old fallen sinful nature anymore, but are raised to a new life in Christ with a new nature. Whose nature is it? It's God's nature. His divine nature. We are participating, we are sharing in his nature now. We didn't have it before. That's not the kind of nature we had before. It was a sinful nature. It was a self-centered nature. It was a nature that was enslaved. It was a slave to sin. And then God keeping his promises. We can participate in his divine nature. We, we get a new nature in him. Um, with Josh being back and, and Dan Dorsey, those guys got together the other night and they start t- 
talking about, well, actually, we were asking them because I'm just kind of curious, you know, what's going on in the Marines and all that sort of stuff and basic training. And, and uh, it's just interesting. I remember when Josh first went in, and, uh, you know, I wasn't raised around military or anything, so it was all kind of new to me. But he, he, he couldn't even call himself by his first name when he first went in, and he couldn't call himself even by I or me. You know, the, his title was this recruit. That's the only thing he could address, address himself as when he first went in. This recruit. This recruit requests knowledge. That's, they started everything with that, no matter what question it was. And um, they were, when they first went into Marine, the basic training, they were probably on this level here. And all the other Marines, and especially drill instructors, were on a whole other level. Completely different. I remember reading a letter from Josh. And he said, I think I have got, uh, swallowed about a gallon of spit this week. <laughs> Evidently, when they're yelling at you, there's a lot of spit flying and so on. They were talking the other day. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think it was Dan. I hate to put you on the spot here, but you were surrounded by some drill instructors one day. Were you the one sharing that with us? That wasn't you. It was somebody you saw it happen to. Okay. Some poor kid did something, and there was six, about six of them that surrounded him, just screaming at him. <sighs> I'm going to compare that to the old nature, okay? I'm going I'm to compare that just to the, the old nature. Because once they completed boot camp and went through everything they had to go through, then what did they become? A Marine. You are not a Marine when you go through boot camp. You're a recruit. <laughs> you don't get to call yourself a Marine. It's not until that you have completed everything and you passed everything, and then you, know, then you have the title of, of Marine. And the way you're treated is so different. It was so different. Josh was sharing about one time after he'd gone through and um, you know, he'd completed the course and been a Marine for a while. He went back, and there was a, a, another Marine that was uh, superior to Josh, and Josh was talking with him, and there was a kid that was going through, still uh, going through basic training, tried to join the conversation. That didn't last long at all. He was told to, to shut up because he had no business talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what is this all about, okay? Because of God's goodness and because he's faithful to his promises, we now participate in his divine nature. We're no longer enslaved. We're no longer down here. We're no longer separated from God. We are actually brought right into his family. And his spirit the very same spirit that raised Christ back from the dead is deposited in us as his children. So let's, let's take a look at this again as we go through these verses. And um, just back up here. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance 
through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. You know him now. Let that grace be abundant in your life. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, his glory and goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises that through them we may participate in the divine nature. This isn't something we're trying to achieve. It's what we've got. We participate in the divine nature of God, no longer the fallen nature, and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We've been taken out of that place where we are entrapped, and we're in a whole other realm now. And then verse 5, which is going to end everything here. For this very reason, because God has done all of these things, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So I've just been talking about the faith part today. What we receive from God through our faith in Christ, that saving faith. Now we're going to talk about later, what do we add to this in order to truly become fruitful Christians? What do we add to it? Because God has done all this other stuff. It was all God. And now he's in our life. And he says, okay, now, it was all my effort on the other things. And you have faith, saving faith. It's precious, precious. But here's what I want you to put some effort in to add to this saving faith. It's not to save you more, but it's just you're a new person now. Add to your faith. What's the next one? Goodness. Just being good. Christians being good. Who, who thought of such a thing? <laughs> he says, with, with effort, you know, with diligence, add to your faith just being good. And then he goes through some more things that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to close, close it there. And uh, just to wrap up, being a fruitful Christian, <clears throat> everything, it starts with everything God has done. Okay? He gives us his righteousness. Uh, he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. He gives us his great and precious promises. Those are, all, those are all from him. I want to encourage you. If as Christians, we just go through life thinking about the things that we're supposed to add to, it gets tough. We can't lose track. We can't lose track of these things he's done. When I get up in the morning... I don't want to start thinking about what I have to do. I really like to just start thinking about what the Lord has done. Does that make any sense? Because I don't want my Christian walk to be me-centered. What am I doing? What do I need to improve on? What do I need to grow on? I don't want to do that. I want my Christian walk with the Lord to be God-centered. So I think, God, this is what you have done. This is what you have provided. This is what's been given to me. Thank you. Thank you. Now, help me to add this part to it. We have to be careful we don't become very self-centered as Christians. Then, it's, then it gets real performance-oriented. and There's not a lot of life in that. The life is in Jesus. Let's stand together.